So if you've been watching our series all about waiting on the Lord at Above Reproach Ministry on YouTube, uh, you know the last conversation we had in part six was all about that our efforts amount to nothing, that we need to trust God above all else, that we need to prioritize Him in everything. And so we're going to have a conversation about that and just kind of reflect on what was said and meditate on some statements. So stay tuned for that. You're listening to Above Approach Church Podcast, a podcast created for the local church. Our goal is to tackle tough church issues through thoughtful conversations like the one you're about to hear. Whether you're a church leader or a layperson, we pray this episode empowers you to play your role within the global, timeless family of God. This is Above Approach Church Podcast. Here we are again, Above Approach Church Podcast. With me today, I don't have Tanner Coppernall. He is not here for this week's episode, but I do have my good buddy, Andrew Hummel, all the way from Texas, hanging out with us. And we're going to talk through uh, the most recent episode, all about waiting on the Lord, part six. Essentially, it was all about waiting for the impossible. So, we got some good questions in store for you and some things that we want to say. Andrew, is there anything you want to... I'm going to call him Andrew for the sake of you <laughs> listeners, because if I say Hummel, I it might sound weird. like something else. So, usually, you know what? Hummel, H-U-M-M-E-L. I'm in trouble or something. You know? H-U-M-M-E-L. That's what I'm saying when I say that. Hummel. Yes. You want any opening statements before we jump into some questions? He didn't know I was going to do this. I didn't know he was going to do this. No, man, let's... Uh Let's get after it. All right, we talked about waiting on the Lord for the impossible and all the all the beautiful things that revolve around our efforts amounting to nothing without God. Um, I'm sure some of you who actually watched the episode had some you know follow up questions. I didn't clarify some things, so that's hopefully what this will be. Um, just going right into it, when we talk about how our human efforts, strengths, ability amounts to nothing without God, Andrew Hummel. Yes. What initially Jason, comes to mind? How would you explain that to someone that uh, without God, your limited human efforts and ability does not amount to anything? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would just say simply, it amounts to nothing of eternal value. Right? Bingo. That's that's the simplest way. It doesn't mean that what you do in this life doesn't mean you can't make some money or. Uh, Put food on the table for you or your family, right? You're doing things. It does amount to those things. But food, oh my goodness. You, I got to tell him to really, pull his mic closer because he's a noob. I am a noob and I don't like hearing my own voice. This is weird. But anyway, like I was saying, you know, putting food on the table temporarily does not have an eternal value. And the things that God values are the things that are eternal. So... When you do anything apart from him, right, it doesn't amount to anything that gets you to heaven, that has a lasting effect for the glory of God. All it is is a temporary benefit to you now. So it does amount to something, but in God's eyes, which are eternal things, it amounts to nothing. And we're getting these thoughts mainly from John 15. Jesus talks about how you can't bear fruit unless you abide in him. But if you do abide in him, fruit is guaranteed, all that good stuff. And then John fifteen five he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm-hmm. And so whatever, uh, you know, results from not abiding in Christ, right? The product of choosing not to abide in Christ is something that God would consider to be 
nothing. Yep. Uh, whatever results in my own life that is disconnected from Jesus or a decision I make that is disconnected from Jesus, his word, mm-hmm. his spirit, God would qualify that as nothing. Like Hummel said, yeah. nothing of eternal value. Well, and as you know, I, I always like to bring it back to Ecclesiastes because I, I really like that Old Testament book. And it's such a downer. It's exactly what it talks about in that. It's it's fleeting. It's chasing after wind. Yes, you know, the uh, the author of Ecclesiastes, whoever you perceive that to be, Anyway, the uh, the teacher, right? He's saying that it, he he dedicated his time to seeking after every pleasure, but he realized that it was all fleeting and chasing after when it amounted to nothing of value. But then he turns around and says, "So what else is there in life to be but to eat, drink, and be merry, and recognize that this is a good gift from God?" And so it almost seems like he's contradicting himself, but he's actually saying that partaking in these things with the right attitude does amount to something but with the wrong attitude where it's just self-seeking, it doesn't have a lasting effect. There's always more that you need, and it, it doesn't have it doesn't amount to anything that's truly worthwhile. So that's essentially what John is hmm. carrying over in the gospel. Didn't anticipate we'd go down that route. I, I want to go down that route, actually, okay. which is that, like uh, going that way. doing something, uh, I don't know, physical activities in life, the most mundane, common things that we engage in, right? The monotony of life, if if we do it correctly, there's a spiritual element added to it that mm. can actually honor God. So nothing is truly... Because there's, there's an idea that disconnects the physical and the spiritual entirely, mm-hmm. right? As if nothing I do in life has a spiritual element to it. And First John addresses that Gnostic way of thinking, do whatever you want with your body because the spirit's disconnected. But Jesus says in John chapter 4 to the the woman at the well, everyone who worships my father is going to worship him in spirit and truth. That's who God is looking for. So what you're saying is, you know, the man who's like drinking water, enjoying food, getting married, having children, and doesn't do that unto God with God involved Mm -hmm. and adding that spiritual element of glorifying God in the midst of that, that, that does amount to nothing. But the other person who's doing the same thing and then you might say throws God in the mix and goes this is for you this is from you I'm enjoying you in the midst of this well well, that actually has eternal value to it now that God is in the midst of it it's a spiritual element 100% I mean I remember what is it Philippians right and years ago the verse where it's like do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit and people read that and mean and see like oh I can't do anything it's not saying do nothing it's saying, in what you do, don't do it with this attitude. That's it's right. phrased as, don't do nothing from selfishness or whatever, or vain conceit. It's not saying, because honestly, everything you do, you are putting into it, and it has a return to you. So if you could do nothing, then you wouldn't be able to do anything. <laughs> right? Yeah, he's so not saying, not don't, saying do don't do that anything that affects, self. that affects yourself. He's saying, in what you do, in what you partake in, don't do it out of a purely selfish motive. It doesn't mean you can't have a desire for it to affect you. That's illogical, but it's not the primary motivation. It can be secondary, tertiary, quaternary. I don't know anymore. You just made up two words. No, those are are all real words. Hey guys, this is making up vocab words with Andrew Hummel. (laughs) Let's go to the second question. How do we properly partner with God in what he wants to do rather than making God approve of plans we've already decided? Because if what we're saying is true, that he brings lasting value to what I'm doing, then why not just run around making plans and just hoping God approves of it? Um, is that different 
than us actually partnering with God in what he's doing rather than saying, just co-sign what I'm doing and make it happen. What would you say are some fundamental differences? Yes. If Yes. <laughs> All right, guys, that's today's episode. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Well, I mean, there's, there's always so much nuance. I never know where to start with this because depending on where you are in your walk with God, right, the, the more mature you become, the more naturally that your desires align with what God desires. And it becomes mm-hmm. less of this uh, constant, not saying you're not seeking God first, but because you're in such a relationship with him, you're walking, you're talking, your desires have become what he desires for you. And so the natural outflow of that would be that you are making plans, but they're in alignment with what God wants for you. So just like a parent and a child, as your child grows up, Hopefully, you've instilled a certain value system and character. Keyword, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, we're talking about humans here, so, you know. i got a six-year-old, so that's why I say that. Some room for error, right? But hopefully, you the child has grown up in the way that he should go so that when he's there, he won't depart from it. Proverbs, huh? But, uh, right? So, but he doesn't have to come and say, hey, Dad, is it okay if I do this? It's like, hey, you're old enough now, son. Go ahead and make these decisions. Like, you have my blessing go live your life because I trust and I see that you've developed the character that I've been trying to teach you ever since you were a little boy. So now go ahead and do it. That doesn't mean, cause like I call my dad almost on a weekly basis and I just talk to him, hang out with him, be like, Hey dad, what are your thoughts on this thing? What, what do you think about that? Oh, here's what's going on in my life. I'm hanging out with him and I'll still ask for his advice on things, but not permission, not permission necessarily. Now that's not to say, It's a little bit more different or a lot different, honestly, with God, because God wants to be involved in every single intimate detail of your life. Mm -hmm. So, yes, still seek him first, and then all these things will be added into you. But uh, that doesn't mean you can't make plans. Does asking for advice assume you don't need permission? I don't know. I just thought of that. Like if I, if my son <laughs> comes, those if my son comes to me and he's like, Hey, I need advice on how to do this. He's already assumed that it's okay to do it. Not necessarily. Oh, how dare you challenge me on my podcast? <laughs> you, you can ask for advice on something. That doesn't mean that you've already planned to do it. Sure. Maybe could, he hasn't still, decided. Yeah. yeah I guess that makes sense. Yeah. If you want to do it. Or I was not. just thinking like, are those two things mutually exclusive? Like when we ask for permission, is it, um, well, I guess that includes advice, but I was thinking like with my son, my kids, they always ask for like permission to do the things that I literally couldn't care less about things they don't need permission for. Yeah. But then the things where it's like, you know, running around with a knife or right. going outside and starting to chop around, chop yeah. down some trees or, well, you, you know, know running people love to joke yard. around all the time and they say it intentionally. And I guess that's why it's a joke, but they say it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. But really the appropriate <sighs> thing is better to ask permission than forgiveness. Right. Yeah, I guess, yeah, that's more correct based on the situation and who you're talking to. Someone else mm-hmm. might say it's better to ask for forgiveness. But my children, they ask, they don't know how to appropriately ask for permission at the right time. They ask it for the wrong things. And I'm like, you don't need my permission to go and sit on the couch and just lay down. Mm-hmm. You do need my permission to go outside in the front yard and, and you know, run across the street. Like, you, you can't just do that without me. My kids just do whatever they want. But they ask for permission for the things that I truly, we don't care about. And I think sometimes, I don't know, I'm just thinking out loud, maybe we do that with God, where God's like, to be honest, 
you're asking me for for permission to do something i've given you full per, per, yeah. you go and do it like this is not something you need permission to do go and do it mm-hmm. and then we ask for advice where it's like god you know i've decided uh to move forward with this girl and i just i just need yeah. advice on how to like make how the to wedding happen it when it's something that he would have actually said no if you had uh appropriately sought him beforehand right that's the ideas (laughs) we're assuming that's why i said i I think sometimes when you ask advice you've already made the decision you just Mm want to know how to make it well yeah we'll we'll ask for not always we'll we'll ask for the blessing and the thing that he didn't intend for us to do and that's what we're talking about is how do we properly partner with god in what he wants to do Right, rather than spending our whole life asking for permission and going make this happen, I want it to happen. We just go, Lord, what do you want? I actually am here to ask what you want and how I can be a part of that. Right, and I'm seeking counsel on that. So, we'll we'll get into that a little bit because that's what we spent yeah. a bulk of our time in. Yeah, I mean that, that episode that, talking about that kind of topic. Like, there's so much nuance. I think right. There's general principles that you should follow, and I think it's a good habit to uh, think about asking for God's permission first in whatever you're doing. Like, that's just a habit, I think. Seek first the kingdom. Say, hey, God, I, I want to follow your will. What should I be doing in this? That should be, I think, a default behavior. I don't think I need to ask for permission mean, to commit sexual immorality. Well, yes. But if you are, obviously, I'm not saying you know ask I mean? for permission to commit sin, uh-huh. but I'm saying the attitude of coming to God first and everything. No, I didn't say that to say that we need permission to sin, but some things are like so clear. Yes. I don't need to go back for a second opinion and go, you know, God, I know your word says sexual sure. morality is bad, but in this situation, it's like, it's, it's still bad, buddy. Yeah. I didn't change my mind. But, but bringing it before the Lord, I think instills a, an attitude where it's like in everything, in mm-hmm. terms of, I'm coming before you. Like I have this sexual immorality desire. Like I want to go commit that. I'm coming to you first about that. I'm, it may be improperly framed, but I think uh, the, the general principle of everything I'm bringing to the Lord first. Like, mm-hmm. obviously I shouldn't be asking for permission, but at least I'm coming before the Lord and being like, here's what's on my mind and here's what's going on. It, and the more that that becomes like a habit, I think the more that the Holy Spirit's going to work through that being like, all right, you're asking for the wrong stuff here, kid. You don't need to ask my permission because you shouldn't be asking for that. You should know not to ask you for that, bro. You should know not to ask for that. That's but inconsistent with my character. At least you're coming to me instead of ignoring me. You know, this goes back to, I was thinking about the forbidden fruit mm-hmm. when Adam and Eve eat from the tree. I wonder what would have happened is all speculation if Eve had just gone, you know what? The serpent brings up some interesting points. He says, I could be like God. I could know good and evil. God's holding out on me. He's undermining God's goodness. So instead of just assuming his interpretation of God and the situation is right, I'm going to move forward and go find God and ask him about this and bring him this kind of newfound desire that the serpent kind of planted in me to have this knowledge and go, God, rather than take this myself, I'm, I'm wondering if you could give it to me the right way because apparently taking it doesn't seem to be the right way and maybe god would have given it maybe it would have been over time maybe he would have said ah you know what have it all uh we don't know but it's just to have a need and bring it to god instead of assuming you know what to do with that need right same idea with it because you said like bring it to god and most people think that's prayer and that is one of the fundamental ways to do it is acknowledging with your lips in in prayer god what do you want but it's also like 
being like the supercomputer that you are and running through your knowledge of God's word in a decision going, well, what does God's word say about this? If it's a clear yes or no, right. I probably don't need to consult him anymore, right? I don't need yeah, to ask for permission sense. to do drugs. Right. I don't need to ask, God, are you okay with me having 13 wives? <laughs> oh, but I hate hey, Abraham, right? Solomon had hey, Solomon. 3,000 concubines you, or whatever it was. You let Solomon, letting isn't approving of, but yeah. let's move on to the next point. Um, usually when we have this podcast, we talk mm-hmm. through like, we try and bring application to three specific um, uh, core groups, you might say. Those who are leaders, specifically in ministry, those who are parents, and those who are online content creators, or just any kind of content creator for that matter. Um, none of which you fit the bill, but this would be fantastic, <laughs> a fantastic time to bring application to them, even as an outsider. And for leaders, um, and this is for you too, have you, I guess I'm asking you directly, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking out loud, have you been a part of churches and or church organizations where they just did seem to do whatever came to mind and didn't really look to the Lord for direction, and maybe not as a whole all the time, but maybe you can recall a specific decision or situation where it didn't seem like the leadership at youth group or in church or in adult ministry, they didn't really seem to consult God. They just kind of went with whatever desire, with whatever wisdom they perceived was right. Yes, me too. Mm -hmm. Any specific situation comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, I I helped out with a youth group for how many years? Ten years? Almost? Masumenos? Jeez, you dinosaur. Nah, not that long. Eight years. Okay. You boomer? 11, 11 to 19, so yeah, eight years. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, there were there were trends all the time where, let's say, a new a new book came out, and it was like, all the youth groups are doing this new book. Okay, we're going to go through this book as a youth uh, group. Yeah. Um, and, and not necessarily that that's a bad thing, mm-hmm. but was that the most optimal thing? It was kind of, it felt like, at least for me, a lot of times, hey, this is a simple curriculum that will keep us busy for the next six weeks going through this book together. Um, so this is what we're going to do. Whereas I don't think we stopped and considered. I mean, we spent time praying together, but um, it felt like, especially in hindsight, we didn't uh, focus down and be like, you know what? What does Holy Spirit want to work through us? Want to teach these kids? Do we have a pulse on what these kids are going through? Is this applicable to them right now? Like it may have valuable content for sure. But uh, I think it was just the, the easy thing because other youth groups were doing it. It was hmm. it was a popular series we're going through, and it's like, okay, yeah, we're going to do this. So, hmm. And I'm sure the assumption was we don't really need to pray about it because it seems to be working for other people. Yeah, it's a big-name guy, man, beautiful. There's so many it's, things it's wrong gonna, with that. It's going to really you know grab the hearts of the kids. It's so relevant. Everybody's going to love it. It's like, oh, man. Maybe. The assumption there is that what works for someone else is going to work for me the same way. Hmm. Or that's effect. What's effective for one audience is effective for the the audience that God's entrusted me. And uh, there's tons of situations I could bring up, but I thought maybe you had one specifically, and that's a fantastic example because it's not necessarily a bad thing. No one's mm. sinning, but it's what's presented as a good thing, and there's no acknowledging God in that. It's the assumption that what looks good, seems good, seems to be working for other people, is what's good for us. And for those of you that are in church leadership especially, just 
that was a fantastic example because this touches the core of what you're doing, man. You have to be very, very careful not to just copy, not just just, you know, go after cheap imitations of what's working for someone else and just go, you know what, let's let's copy what seems to be effective or working in certain situations that are completely different than the one you're in. Mm-hmm. You're in a different environment, different people, different leadership style, different theology. Um, so just be careful about the way you go about making decisions. You can like look to people for direction and look for consultation and ask for advice, but that's not ultimate. You lay that at the feet of Jesus and you ask him to navigate with within and without that. And so I'm, I'm actually going to jump down to this question because it's along the same lines. Um, we talk about trusting in God and, and acknowledging, hey, you know, none of my efforts amount to nothing without you. That's a great premise to work from. But, you know, we want to primarily trust in God, yet to what degree should we put trust in people without it pulling us away from God as our main trust and hope? You know, it's the tension between, I don't want to be a lone wolf, never like being so uh, closed off to, mm-hmm. to everyone that it's just me and God, but I also don't want to be this open, I'm vulnerable and, you know, accepting everyone's advice and I right. apply anything anyone trustworthy says and I don't weigh it and mm-hmm. don't discern it and pray. So what's the fine, how do I trust people, look to people properly without allowing them to take God's place in my life? As the one who is my shepherd. Hmm. How indeed. How indeed. How indeed. Well, step one first, then step two, then step three. Here's your 10 steps towards knowing whether or not. Uh, (laughs) $19.99 on Amazon. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, the general answer is uh, apply wisdom, right? Seek wisdom. How do you discern all right, is this person's advice? Is this the person God is using to teach me in this moment, or is it not? The only way you can discern the voice of God is by knowing his voice. Uh, I feel like I'm good. Bingo, bango. Just uh, drawing on like, oh, here you go, little kids. You got to know the voice of God. But, I mean, it, it's so true. It's still true. Right? Uh, what, what's the, the passage, right? The, uh, the sheep recognize the voice of the good shepherd. Even when right. he speaks through other people. Even when he speaks through other people. Wisdom cries out in the streets who will seek after her. You know, so the psalmist, I will treasure your word in my heart so I might not sin against you. Right? It's it's meditating on his words. Um, I've used this analogy in other circumstances, but I'll share it here on the podcast too, right? You know, I am familiar with my dad's voice. I, I know his voice. Me I, too. If... <laughs> I could be in a crowd of 10,000 people and I just hear the way that he says, Andrew. I'm like, oh, that's my dad calling me. I got to go. You know? Me too. I'd come, I'd come running. <laughs> yeah, you would. Greg, did you call me? No, well, I called Andrew, my son. But I, just, I loved your voice. <laughs> yeah. You just got the, the deep voice, you know. Uh, it's got that Mufasa but, voice. But that, that applies to uh, to the Bible. You know, you, you got to be in God's word. You recognize what he says. And the more that you're in tune with that, the Holy Spirit will speak through things and you're just paying attention. And you're like, that was you talking to me, wasn't it, Father? And then the more and more that just becomes a habit, it, it becomes second nature as you're just existing. That doesn't mean you don't still have times where you're like, uh, was that you? You know, like, but with, with what I'm trying to get at, you know, if somebody said, came to me and said, hey, your dad told me that he wanted you to go and... Uh, jump off a cliff in rob Chile a bank or rob a bank. I'd be like, my dad would not say that. Okay, you lying fool! Like that—that that is not my dad. 
He wouldn't say that. And if he would say that, that is so contrary to his character and being that I would have to hear it from him directly. And that may be uh, a little bit feeling like uh, oppositional towards potentially a command from your father. But because of the consistency and knowing his character, I think that's a valid point where you could stand against. So if somebody came to me and said, hey, uh, I feel like God wants me to tell you that you need to go and marry that person over there. I'd be like, that's out of the blue. I haven't even talked to this person. And uh, they're X, Y, and Z. They're not even a believer. So they're not a believer. I've never met them. They're this, that. And I'm not saying he couldn't because there are examples in the Bible where it's like, okay, I wouldn't have expected that. But, But yeah, God came and pretty much made it beyond a shadow of doubt clear that, yes, this is what I want you to do. So in those situations where it seems totally contrary to his nature, God makes it abundantly clear. And things that are in alignment with his character, he'll use random people, and you should be able to discern because he's made it abundantly clear for you to know his voice that you should recognize him in every single situation. Interesting random question. In the same way that you can choose to become more familiar with God's voice, Mm. which I think will make you naturally inclined to recognize his voice easier. Do you think the opposite is true, where the longer you go rejecting his voice over and over, the more unfamiliar you become with his voice and harder it is for you to even detect him speaking? 100%. 100%. Okay, I was just thinking out loud. Someone's going to be wondering that. So we answered that for you. Yeah, I I believe so. Be careful. That's when, in my life, I've adopted the the implementation of, of fasting. You know, fasting can be not just from food, but it can be from entertainment. And, uh, you know, especially in today's society, we have so much noise bombarding our brains. There's just this overload of sensory input that it can be very difficult to distinguish. Like I said, in that crowd of 10,000 people, I would still recognize my dad's voice. But he may have been calling that for me for, you know, a couple minutes or an hour. A long time and you finally you know, if, if, it. You know, I'm just thinking about childhood memories when we're at the fair, you know, and there's a crowd. He may have called me 10 times before I actually heard his voice. And that's because there's so much other surrounding noise. And I wasn't stopping and thinking, hey, I'm not hanging on to my dad's hand right now. Maybe he's looking for me. He's calling for me. Even though he let me go look at something, he's like, hey, time to come back now. So apply that to a biblical sense. Like maybe God's trying to get your attention, but you're surrounded by all this noise and you're not stopping. Wait, is God calling me back? You know what? I need to, I need to block out the rest of the surrounding noise and focus on his voice calling me home. So fasting's like a reset. It is. Yeah. Um, I think the simple answer to that question then becomes you prioritize the voice of God above the voice of people. Mm-hmm. You spend more time listening to him, which is very clearly outlined in scripture. God is always speaking when you open his word and you spend time in prayer. And I think as long as you put those two disciplines in place that will safeguard you from, I don't know, inappropriately placing trust in the wrong people or to the wrong degrees or in a way that takes away from God. Um, what are, I don't want to go with that, that question actually. I was going to go with what are sometimes you found yourself on the extreme of like, I'm skeptical of everyone and closed off to God speaking through anyone <laughs> versus the other side Mandela where it's like, effect. I'm open to everyone. <laughs> yes. Everyone is speaking from God. And then you're just tossed to and yes. fro by the waves. Mm-hmm. It's true. Um, Timothy, don't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So apart from the trusting in people, 
too much or in a way that dishonors God or in a way that prioritizes people above God, back to the whole, our, our works amount to nothing without him, right? There's no eternal value in what we do without his hand on it. How have you personally seen your own efforts uh, amount to nothing when they don't have the grace or approval of God? And you know you were not inside of the clear outlined will of God in Scripture, or you know you went against his voice and, and the advice that you received from sound biblical people. Um, how have you personally seen this play out in your life, if you can think of any scenario off the top of your head, as I stall by talking slowly? Say it again, and we'll, or because we, my, my brain was racking through as How you have started. you personally you seen know, your own efforts? <laughs> no, we're going to keep it. Your <laughs> own efforts amount to nothing because it wasn't graced with by God. It wasn't approved by God. It wasn't what he called you to. Maybe it went against scripture. I mean, getting into the, uh, the occupation that I'm in now, right? I'm in, in law enforcement, for those of you that don't know me. He's so cool. Mm, yeah, He's so, so cool. cool. Federal, federal law enforcement, not that that's any more special. But uh, It is, though. You know, uh, before going into that, I was going to college. Originally wanted to do physical therapy. I mean, I'm fascinated uh, by anatomy and physiology i think that stuff is awesome sports athletics all that and i wanted to do that and i thought because i had a passion for it that's what i was going to do but the longer and longer i was going to school the more i was like man this i just feel so unsatisfied when i'm doing like my joy is not there uh i don't feel any satisfaction i feel like every time i'm trying to pursue this i just cannot uh, find the enjoyment in it um so then i i took year and a half off of school and I was like you know what I'm just going to work I'm going to save up money I'm going to I'm going to try and figure out life um as young kids do you know oh forget school I'm going to figure out life I don't know uh but one I thing, can't relate to that <laughs> one thing after another as time goes on you know a cousin of mine at a family gathering was like hey uh, what are you going to do with your life I was like I don't know it's like well you seem to have a good disposition for this type of work you know you're out in the middle of nowhere doing some crazy stuff sometimes and uh, I think you should look into it and I was like all right I'll look into it and so you know I applied sort of it took me a while I was a little bit like Jonah you know a lot of things were lining up where I was like yeah God's telling me to go do this yeah God's telling me to go do this but I really don't want to because it means leaving friends home family I grew up uh, in the mission field, and I was used to traveling around and everything, but once my parents stopped being missionaries and we moved back to California, that was the first time I'd ever had a home for longer than, like, three years, you know? So mm-hmm. you know, we had we had been there for about eight, nine years at that point, and I was like, man, I've never been in one place for so long. Like, it's, it's tough to get up and move again because I feel established. So, you know, I, with the college, that wasn't satisfying anything, but then... Every other job that I was doing was also very unsatisfying because I knew what God was calling me to go do. And I was like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I literally, I was telling people that I had applied. I was lying. I was lying. <gasps> and everybody was like, hey, what's going on? Are you going to go? Are you going to go to the academy soon? Are you going to be doing this? Are you going to do that? I'm like, oh, man, I haven't heard. And the whole time feeling dissatisfied because I'm like, look, I keep on lying. Uh, this is going to go a wrong route. I can't, I can't keep lying like this. Plus... I'm unsatisfied with the job I'm doing. It's not just because I'm lying. I, like, I know I'm supposed to be doing something else. 
finally told Jason, he's like, all right, bro, here's my laptop. Pull it up right now. You're going to do it in the next 30 minutes while I'm sitting here with you. <laughs> um, and what can I say? I'm a good guy. You know, it, it definitely has been a, a, a God led thing, you know, where he was just opening doors. It was a long process. And there were times where I was like, even through my procrastination and unwillingness to, uh, want to do it. Like literally there were, there were times I had to get, you know, medical evaluations and things like that. Uh, there's so many little details that I feel like I'm rambling on my life story with this part, but you know, like I had epilepsy as a kid, long story short, I, I don't have it anymore, but we didn't have medical documentation and to go into this profession, uh, I needed clearance of that. And so I had to get a general practitioner to get a reference for a specialist and all this stuff had to be done in like a specific time frame. And I was also serving in the youth group and I was away and I was at a place that didn't have cell service, but somehow I had cell service when it happened and they called me and they were like, we have an opening. And I was like, awesome. Dang I, it. Normally these things cost a crazy amount of money, but there was this wonderful woman that worked the front desk that was like, oh, um, I just feel led to help you out. Uh, so here's what the cost normally is, but here's what you're going to pay. And I was like, no way. And in the time uh, during this time, I was in between jobs just working every once in a while for a friend who paid cash um, for his business and literally the exact amount that she said, here's what you're going to pay is the exact amount that he had just paid me. And it was pretty much all I had. But anyway, there are a plethora of little details of stories like that where I was like, I'm trying to do everything I can to give a reason to Mm -hmm. not follow what you're telling me to do. And each step of the way you keep on being like, look, you should have been paying a thousand dollars for this, but instead you're only going to pay like 320 why that oddball number? It was actually 321 and 23 cents. And I was like, okay, are you kidding me? Yeah. Pretty much to the exact, obviously I didn't pay the 23 cents cause it, she was like, well round, but how kind, you know, so little, little things like that where, mm. you know, I was running away and the things I was doing to try and block out, uh, where he was leading me just didn't have satisfaction in it. And if I had kept doing that or didn't have a buddy that, uh, forced me to sit down and accept my fate, even though he didn't want it either. Uh, I did. I could have very much ended up, fast forward, alternate timeline, if I keep on ignoring, hey, I don't hear your voice anymore at all. You could be dead. Uh, I could be just lifting furniture all day, every day, or cleaning pools, or working construction, and there's nothing wrong with those things, but those were not what That's God not had what you me. were called to. That's not yes. what I was called to at the time. So it's wrong I because much, you're not supposed to be there. Yeah, and I very much appreciated those jobs, don't get me wrong. Like, I learned a lot of valuable, hardworking lessons and all that stuff that have served me well, but uh, it wasn't where I was meant to be. So, so to what God wanted to do was make your life fruitful, and you pushed against it. How could you, man? I would never do that. I've only done that <laughs> most of my life. Kind of like to close this thing down, a couple of questions. Lots of believers in a local church, because I know you guys are listening. You're like, I have attend to, I attend a local church. I'm in a community. Give me some practical takeaways. Okay, I know a lot of you are wondering to what degree you're allowed to make plans, right? That's that's the tension here. And to what degree do I need to make sure I have God's approval before I make a plan and and move forward? And a lot of Christians are terrified of making plans. Um, maybe we can talk through as we close down why many believers are afraid to make plans or why you in your life 
have been afraid to make plans or needed a certain amount of approval before making a decision. You know, we talked about Jonathan uh, in the last episode, all about waiting on the Lord, and talked about how he didn't necessarily get permission. He just moved forward in a desire and made a plan, and God confirmed after the fact. Um, but he acknowledged God in all his ways. And I think Christians, frankly, are terrified, number one, to miss out on the best God has for them. They know that there's no good outside of God's best for their life. Uh, number two, they might think that following Jesus is a is a one-way street where God just programs me and I'm a robot to do whatever he wants and I have no free will participation in that, no responsibility. That's not true. You, God has given you a mind to think and to reason and to make plans and to discern and to evaluate he just wants you to acknowledge him as you do it. It's not a terrifying mm-hmm. thing to make plans and then lay that at the feet of Jesus. But also, I think people are afraid to make plans because they're afraid of being disappointed in God saying no. I think so. If I don't make plans, there's nothing for him to, to deny. How do you and know I, if you've developed a character trait unless you are given a circumstance in which you need to apply it? Right? So... Mm-hmm. Yes, you're supposed to seek the Lord first and everything you do and all these things will be added unto you, right? But let's say you're praying for patience. I mean, I always love this example, right? Does God zap you with patience or does he put you in a circumstance in which you need to practice patience? He gives you kids. I would say both and, right? Because unless you're put in a situation where you need more patience, how do you ever know if you've had more patience? I know, mind-blowing, right? True. So the same applies in making a decision. God... Doesn't just because we are his children does not mean we are eternally childlike in our inability, or I don't want to say inability because yes, apart from him, we're gonna blah blah blah. blah. All right, everybody's gonna yeah. You can't do this. But what I'm getting at is childish versus childlike. Yes, he he wants us to grow up in all wisdom and maturity, being able to withstand whatever comes at us in life. That doesn't mean I don't think about him or consider his thoughts, but like a child growing up under a parent, you raise them up in the way they should go so that when they're older, they don't depart from it. That's the second time I've used that proverb tonight. That's the same with this. He raises us up as we continue to be in relationship with him, and he puts his spirit in us. So we mm-hmm. have him with us in the decisions that we're doing. If we, we ask. walk in the spirit. Right, We keep step with the Spirit. So therefore, as you mature, just like when you become an adult, you start making your own decisions. So to what degree uh, can I make plans without needing to ask for permission to the degree, to the degree that you are a mature adult? Mm-hmm. And then another question would be, why do you want to make plans without him? Yeah. I think there's some decisions where, frankly, it's just it's so quick. In the moment, you don't have time to sit on your knees and go, Lord, but, you know, you can run through what Scripture says and go, based on that, I can make a decision here. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, God wants us to grow up but stay childlike and, and dependent on Him. Having knowledge doesn't mean I become less dependent, I don't think. I think more knowledge actually makes me realize how dependent I really am, which will make me more capable of making decisions because I have the knowledge yeah. And I know how much I need him. And so as I'm applying the knowledge, I'm appropriately depending on yeah. him in that. Your ability to make a wise decision as you grow up is a gift 
from your parent or mm-hmm. God in this circumstance, right? So by default or effect, whatever the proper verbiage is there, you are not making that decision apart from him because you would not have the wisdom to make that decision if he had not imparted it upon you and you had been seeking him first. So, so either way, you acknowledge him. Either way, you are acknowledging him by applying the wisdom that you have learned through relationship with him. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. are not necessarily making a decision absent him if it's the right decision. Yep, so. exactly. I am smart enough to make this decision because he he helped me to become yes. smart. Uh, last question. What is the balance between making plans without God versus not making any plans because we're afraid to move ahead of God? So one is like too slow. I'm not making any plans. And God's like, can you pick up the pace a little bit? I have some stuff for you to do. (laughs) And the other one is too fast where it's like I'm making plans left and right, not consulting him, getting Mm -hmm. ahead of God. Mm -hmm. Um, We want to walk at the pace of grace. I would say I I err on the former more than, uh, wait. Which which order did you have that making plans without God, or not making any plans because we're afraid? Of, oh, I would say the latter. Then I, I tend to not make plans, is what I'm saying. Uh, you move too slow. Yes, you're a turtle. I'm a I'm a turtle. I could be sort a turtle of. at times. I mean, when it's go time, it's go time. You know, but I'm very much you turn into a ninja turtle. I'm much more laid back in my application, and a lot of that has to do also with just experience. You know. Um, different trips I've gone on, upbringing in the mission field, things like that. A lot of times I have seen how people make plans or have their own expectations and they either get disappointed because it doesn't happen the way they want or they're just caught off guard and they don't know how to handle it. And I kind of adapted and learned from that to have minimal expectation in my own personal sense where it's like, I need to see this happen. And more, my, my expectation mm-hmm. is purely, I want to see God move. I'm not going to mm-hmm. put a, a label on exactly what that looks like. That doesn't mean it's just randomness because I know people will say, oh, God can do anything. I'm like, yes, but he has a character and there's a way that he operates. So you can also recognize if it's not him. He's not loose but, and unpredictable. Yes. But what I'm saying is that I get just, let's use a missions trip. For example, if I'm going on a missions trip and people are like, have this expectation that they're going to witness to a thousand kids and they're going to see all these people come forward and then they go and they encounter a lot of spiritual warfare and you know what, it was hard, it was difficult, they're sleeping on the ground and there's bugs everywhere and they're uncomfortable and then they come home and they're like, that was not what I expected. I only talked to oh two kids goodness, for a I talked week. to two kids and they, there was a language barrier and the interpreter didn't know what I was saying at the time. I didn't from know the if they understood it. The food was terrible. Oh my goodness, what's going on? Completely different expectation. Right? So they went in with a plan like, I'm going to spread the gospel and I'm going to do this and it's going to look like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it looked completely different and people are just caught off guard and they feel like God didn't move. And... I think they probably missed an opportunity to see how God was actually moving in that. Where So typically when I go on trips like that, I'm like, look, God, I don't know what you're going to do. It would be awesome if this stuff happens. Uh, I hope I'm uh, collaborating with you appropriately so that I'm not limiting what you want to do through me. But mm-hmm. also uh, it could be one person I talked to. It could be nobody. And this experience is actually just an environment that you're placing me in and I'm going to learn something. Or you're going to, reach a bunch of other people through this. I don't know what that's going to look like, but mm-hmm. here I am. Let's go. So one one of the ways to identify that you're making plans appropriately and biblically 
is that you're truly okay with your ideal results not happening. You're truly okay mm-hmm. with God changing the script and all your expectations fall short. He does something different. You're okay with that. If you're not, then maybe you are holding too tightly to your plans and you're getting mm-hmm. ahead of God. Um, but, but some people are afraid to make plans because of that disappointment. Yeah. So on the contrary, kind of how I started, there are a lot of times, especially in my environment, where it's like, all right, uh, you, you can use me however you want, God. And he's like, well, I've already uh, made you a, a grown man that can go out and do this kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. what are you waiting for? Like, you got to apply what you know. Otherwise, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, you make the phone call. You know who to so, text. Yeah, I, I err on the, unfortunately, the, uh, I don't know what it looks like to where, all right, because it can look like anything, I'm not doing anything to make it actually manifest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's. That's where, that's the negative. On well, the, did you say other. manifest? I know, Look, right? bro, oh, we don't no. manifest our I'm reality. A <sighs> um, but yeah, I think it's really important to understand that God wants to partner with people. Yep. He's given you a mind to make plans. Jonathan was okay either way. It seems like when he moved forward to the Philistine garrison and, and he goes, you know, the Lord can, not saying he will, but let's find out. Um, and sometimes I've moved forward in what I thought was God and, it was very evident after the fact that it wasn't, but I wouldn't have known God's hand wasn't on it until I moved forward to confirm that. And some of you need to do that. You need to actually go through with the plan you've made, and you're sitting around wondering, God, are you in this? Move forward and find out. Move forward and find out. If there's an uneasiness, if there's a discomfort, that's not always a sign that God's saying no, right? Discomfort's not a sign that it's not the will of God or you're not in the will of God. But sometimes that uneasiness and discomfort can be an indication from the Spirit. I'm telling you not to move forward. And maybe you need to actually move forward a little bit to find Mm -hmm. out, you know what, that wasn't of God. And you got to be honest. All the time. All the time. Anytime I'm encountering conflict, Mm. sorry, I pause as I think that, but... I don't like using absolute statements most. when I say anytime or whatever, but most I'm, my mindset is one of uh, kind of radical ownership. So if I'm encountering trouble that I can't overcome, it's probably self-inflicted either. I'm not uh, acknowledging God in all my ways. I'm not spending that quiet time. And that doesn't mean that when I am spending quiet time, I don't encounter conflict, but the way that I handle it and my response to it is drastically different between um, feeling joy in the midst of trials and tribulation or feeling disappointed and flustered and angry mm. in the midst of it. Um, and it all comes from the seeking first. And that's what we're here to tell you as we close down today. Seek first the kingdom in all your ways. Acknowledge him. Not just prioritize his kingdom above all that you do, but in all that you do. All the plans you make. All the things you decide, all the vision you have for your life, submit it to God daily. Acknowledge Him in all your decisions. Sometimes read Proverbs sixteen. Man. Have you read Proverbs sixteen? He's so much more spiritual than me. No, no, no. no. Usually, I get to be the spiritual one. Go ahead, you can read it. All right, I'll read. You're Proverbs the guy. 16. The whole chapter? Sure, why not? I mean, it's only. Well, I don't know. Actually, I'm scrolling a lot, and it's a lot of verses. <laughs> it's only three hundred and ninety-seven <laughs> verses. Only, it's only thirty-three verses, but at least through verse nine, because that's the main verse that came to yeah. mind. But I was like, the rest of this is good, you know. So uh, the, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. Commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. Oof. Everyone is proud in his heart, 
or everyone is proud in his heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. By loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Mm. Better is a little with righteousness than great income with injustice. And this was the verse I was thinking of. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. That's right. It's okay to make plans. Just make sure you want God to direct those steps. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, thanks for listening to today's episode of Above Reproach Church Podcast. Pew, pew, pew. Special thanks to my special guest all the way from Texas, Andrew Hummel. Thanks for being on. Thanks, Mike Tyson. <laughs> this was awesome. And so, guys, go ahead and check out AboveReproachMinistry.com for all the free resources we have. A copy of my book, can't even talk. You can join our online church through Discord, which is not about division. That's just the name of the app. Okay, we're not all about di- being hey, divisive. Bro, why'd you uh, join a, an app that like sows dissension? Why are you people? about planting division? We're not. It's just we're using the platform God has made available. Are you we trying to redeem what the enemy has taken for the Lord? Not only am I trying to redeem, <laughs> God is effectively redeeming. So join that online church if you haven't already. Check out all our free resources. Check out the book. Uh, and find our YouTube channel for all the videos that we provide commentary on. And that is it for today, guys. Keep moving towards Jesus. Is there anything you want to say in closing? You get five words minimum, maximum. I love you. Hey, thanks for listening to today's Above Reproach Church podcast. If you've benefited from this content or this ministry in any way, there are a number of ways you can support what we're doing to help people move towards Jesus. We're completely funded by generous supporters like you, so if you'd like to partner with us financially, you can head to AboveReproachMinistry.com slash donate, and you can give through debit or credit card, you can give through PayPal, Venmo, Patreon, or even just mail a check to P.O. Box 338, Green Cove Springs, Florida 32043. Or grab some of our church merch to represent Jesus on your body wherever you go. Either way, while you're on the website, check out all of our free resources, our online church, my book Fruitful, as well as everything else going on in our online ministry. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep moving towards Jesus.